Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Count. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. Roll A. Fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Two days before Christmas, Eagle Hour, live from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Happy to have you along with us. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens, as you are scurrying about the Pine Belt and around the state of Mississippi. Maybe buying some last-minute presents. Happy to have you listening to us today. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you, the hometown team, located right next to Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Family get-togethers, holiday get-togethers. Uh, let Dickie's cater your uh, football viewing party, bowl viewing party, all, all kinds of stuff, Christmas, uh, New Year's. And, of course, you can go into the store and see them as well. Dickie's Cooked here loved everywhere a little later in the show kelly Sander and i will be uh, walking through what would be on our southern miss christmas wish list uh, and so that'll be fun to get to but first on the show today we welcome in david haywood uh, from natchez mississippi now the head basketball coach at uh, natchez high school he was a four-year letterman for southern miss from 2002 to 2005 played for james green and larry eustacey and one thing about you david when you do a quick search in the old media guides you could shoot it behind the three-point arc third highest percentage in three-point shots in school history welcome to the eagle hour today sir oh i appreciate you guys having me today so i just want to commend you on making a very good life choice uh, i heard you know back in the day you had two you had a few several choices but mainly usm or Tulane. Tulane, and uh, you chose uh, to come to southern miss how did that recruiting go down and what ultimately led you to choose southern miss oh well uh, I, I came down on a visit though i just I just liked the environment. You know, I thought the guys on the team that was there before, before me, um, before my arrival, they was all you know very welcoming. And uh, Coach Jeff Norwood, uh, of course, he he's a great salesman, so he he sold me on Southern Miss, and I was you know the the, the interest was was very mutual because I was trying to get on the biggest platform, but kind of wanted to stay as close as home as possible so my family would be able to see me play. So coming out of Natchez, and, and uh, you immediately contributed uh, as a freshman, as a sophomore. Uh, one of the games that I found particularly impressive was you went for double points, uh, double digits against Memphis your sophomore season. And, you know, we, we don't just live back in the glory days. We remember the glory days. But, man, how good was the, the conference back in the day? You talk about uh, the Eagles blew out Memphis that night against John Calipari. Lots of games to remember during those years, aren't there? Oh yeah, it's plenty. It's plenty. The competition, being in Conference USA, was it's another level. You know, it's not to knock it today, but you talking Cincinnati, DePaul, Memphis, uh, Charlotte, uh, South Florida. Uh, it's just some great, great teams. Louisville. 
you know, it was some great competition with the likes of Francisco Garcia, the DeWan Wagner's number one player in the nation and played at Memphis, you know, I and I had the the, the duties of trying to guard that guy and, and, and I think I still feel body aches from running out off the screens from the, or the tall center, I think it was Earl Barron and, and uh, the massive kid that was setting those double screens for him for the whole game. I think I still feel those screens today. Kelly? Yeah, I, I want to ask Coach about when when you played for James Green, one of the things that Coach Green always said was that the, the the most difficult transition a high school player makes going to the college level is their inability to play college level defense. All right, that that's, that's what most high school players lack skill-wise when they go to the next level. You then having playing for James Green, I'm sure that's one of the things that you make sure that your guys are ready to do is play defense at the next level. So how do you do that? Oh, I, I mean, I, that's from day one, guys come to my high school program, that's the first thing I, I preach on because, you know, we played against some talented teams um, that, was, to be honest, was more talented than we were when I was playing with James Green under James Green or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, defense kept us in games and defense won games. So if, if you can give that constant energy on the defensive end, you're going to give yourself a chance to win and be in pretty much every game you play. And, you know, the guys that's been coming through my program here the last couple of years, they've really been buying in. So we had a, a couple of years back-to-back now where we've been making playoff runs and stuff like that. And I attribute directly to our ability to guard and play defense you know, I just want to get stops, get stops, get stops. But I do give my kids the, the freedom to 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 play basketball on offensive end. Though. It's interesting, though, because the man who James Green succeeded, M.K. Turk, always said that defense does win games, but offense sells tickets. So you had you had Turk coach teams that scored lots of times over 100 points, but so would the opponent. And then you had James Green's teams who would win games 48 to you know, 44, that where I'm going with this is defense isn't necessarily exciting to watch, and you had to juggle that ball between entertainment and winning games. That's a, that's a, tough, that's a tough balancing act. Yeah, it is. I'm going to be honest. In my playing days, I, I think I would have wanted to be more so under the MK search. But, uh, <laughs> James, James Green, he, he did. He, he, he is still those. Those old thoughts and being just tough-nosed, hard-nosed defense guy. And, and I learned a lot of the James Green. I, I actually learned how to play defense. He, he was definitely right. You know, that's one of the toughest things to, to, to do coming out of high school is being able to guard on a collegiate level. And, and I learned that under James Green. But like I said, my program, I, I stress defense, but I also stress player development and giving those guys the tools that they need to succeed on the offensive end. You know, I, I want to be the team that scores 70 points, and if I can score 70 points, I know I have a chance to win every night in high school because we're going to play defense. You know, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm a mix of both. You know, M.K. Church, he was actually one of my professors. Uh, maybe my freshman or sophomore year, I took a class under him, and we talked. We talked a bunch after class, we'd sit and, and we would talk, and he would tell me how he would use me and his offense to come off screens and stuff like that. And I enjoyed the conversation because, you know, I, I love to listen and learn. I think it's, you know, the more you listen, the opportunity to learn and better yourself as a player. And now as a coach, you know, I, I still 
think on and, and relate back to some of those conversations. And, and Luke talked about your proficiency from behind the arc, but there are there are some basketball people that think to some degree that the three-point shot has ruined basketball, that there's no such thing as trying to work the ball inside anymore. It's just, and when guys are being recruited, it's not not necessarily anything else, but can you shoot the three ball? Are those criticisms fair in your view? Um, I, don't, I don't think so, because I, I, I think the game itself is forever evolving, you know, and now you was, at, at, when I was playing, if you were 6'9", you pretty much was a center. Nowadays, you got 6'9", two guards, you know, so, and, and, and it's nothing to have it. Me, personally, I want every kid on my high school team to be able to shoot the ball, because if you can't shoot the ball, you become a liability on offense, and, you know, at some, at some point, Teams can pretty much sag off you and, and, and guard your team five against four, and they got that one-player advantage because you're not a threat of making open shots. I think you have to be able to shoot the ball regardless of what your size is. you you got to be able to make open shots. and uh, I think that's a very unfair criticism about the three-point ball. I think the game is just evolving, and, you know, the the people that are a little older, they tend to like the style of basketball where, you know, the hard-nosed grind uh, of uh, the heyday, whereas today it's more about the skill, the ball having the shooting, coming off screens and they knock it down and, you know, making the fancy pass. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, that, that, that's more of the, the, the highlight of the game. But it's just a, it's a different game. It's just like anything else, you know. It's like a car. A car in 1990 is not like the car in 2020. My, you can't expect the game to be the same. Yeah, and my final question for you, Coach, before I turn you back to, to Luke Johnson, you were kind of you were kind of play, you played in an era where a lot of the game was still played above the rim, where a lot of it now is is kind of played below the rim. That kind of goes hand in hand with the evolution that you were talking about. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. I, I mean, because then I think the game you was either going. Throw it inside to a guy that was going to try to tear the goal down. You may have one guy that can shoot. You know, everybody pretty much had uh, one dominant role as far as your point guard, shooting guard, small four or five. Well, nowadays, you got centers taking more threes than your two guards. Your two guards get into the basket, sometimes having more assists than your point guard. So the role of the game is spread throughout each position on the court, you know, and, and I think that we're just going to continue to see it. You know, kids going to continue to get bigger, faster, stronger, and, and the more the skill, it's going to be something that we've never seen. It's kind of like the LeBron James of the game, you know. David, we're up against a hard break, man. We're loving this conversation. Can you stick around a little longer with us? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Awesome. Well, I'll be back in just a moment after this break with David Haywood, present coach of, Nat- of Natchez High School, but a former Southern Miss basketball player, one of the best to ever shoot the three ball at Southern Miss. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. A little warm today outside. Got some storms coming through tonight, so make sure you check out your local weather forecast wherever you are. But it's going to be a chilly, chilly Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Happy to have you on the Eagle Hour this December 23rd. Coming up, third segment, Kelly and I will give you our Southern Miss Christmas gift slash wish list. Uh, we both feel like we're mainly on uh, the the nice uh, side. We're not naughty. Uh, sure, I hope not. I, I'm I'm stepping out there, Santa. You know, putting you in that category. But anyway, we continue with David Haywood. Before we get back to David, second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or all the time on campusbookmark.net. If you're going through Hattiesburg today, need some last-minute uh, Christmas gifts, whip in there. Buy up some stuff uh, to cheer on the Golden Eagles in basketball and uh, baseball and softball coming up also. We continue with David Haywood. His career three-point uh, percentage, a touch over 45%, uh, third all-time in that respect. The head coach now at Natchez High School, and he was a four-year letterman for Southern Miss from 2001 to 2005. David, you uh, you had the opportunity to play for two head coaches, and and I was a football player at the same time you were at basketball. I played for Jeff Bauer. He was there a long time. Uh, but we yeah. like to hear from uh, former players who had to go through a coaching transition, just kind of how that went down and, and you know how the team responded and how you as a player responded. And Coach Green steps away. Coach Eustace comes in. Just kind of tell us all about um, that situation and what it was like for you. Uh, you know, it was it was it was some tough times because, uh, of course, with change in, in, on that level of coaches, that means you're also going to have a change of makeup of former players that may have been there that's going to probably leave, and you got the uh, new coach coming in. He's going to bring guys in, and, and of course, it's just the business of of the college level. When the new coach come in, he got his guys that he's recruited bringing in, and he automatically thinks that's better than the guys that's there. Whether that's true or not, and you know, and it's not to say okay, well, he's going. It's, it's true. I, I think if you do a research and you talk to college players across the nation that have to go through this, those guys that's coming in with the coach, they kind of get a longer leash than the guys that's remaining there from the, the previous coach, in which, you know, it's understandable. I want to win and lose with the guys that I bring in, so I totally understand. But being a player, it was a difficult time, you know, but mentally, you know, uh, I, I think I had prepared myself to go through it, and I was, I always been the type of person that once I start something, I want to see it through. So I never had the thought of leaving. Some guys left. I just wanted to be committed and say, hey, I'm going to be a golden eagle for my entire college career and, and, and you know, I'm gonna make the best of the situation and that's what I I attack every day with that mind frame. And Luke, I know you've got another question for him. I, I just wanna jump in here real quick. Coach Haywood the you know, Larry Eustace, uh, who no, nobody ever disputed his knowledge of X's and O's, but he was a native Californian, which not many people can really say that they're native Californians and he was he was a bit of a strange agent, wasn't he? I yeah. mean I, I don't mean yeah. that to be ugly. I'm just saying he was he was a little Strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he most definitely he's a little different, but and you know the guy, the guy, he he know the game of basketball. You know he he does. And to be honest with you, and, and I told a lot of guys, my roommate Mario Miles, and you know I, uh, you know I would talk with him. You know the their process and their procedures. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. 
that if I, I like the way the the development part for the players. I did. I think as a player, I could have benefited a little more in a program that was more like your spaces than I could have James Green. Eliminating the people, you know, as the coaches, eliminate just the process of what they was doing and what they was trying to get their players to accomplish at practice on a day-to-day basis. I, I, I think I could have benefited more in, in a program that Eustace was running more so than James Green. Now, you know, that's just my preference because Eustace based his, his philosophy off his guards. He wanted everything to be ran through the guard, where James Green, he wanted everything to work from the inside out. So, you know, me being a guard, wanted to shoot the three, I definitely could have benefited more years under Eustace than playing in James Green's system. David, you, and, and not to jump around, but you brought up something just a minute ago. You said you never had, during that time of transition, you never had uh, the, you know, the, the thought to leave. And, you know, when you and I played college sports, uh, it was rare that you would see a transfer. You coach a generation now that we see people, man, just hop, ship, you know, at, at the slightest uh, notice of trouble. Why do you yes, think that is? How is that just kind of consumed? Uh, College sports these days. I, I think the kid, the kids that's coming along today, they don't have the the, the mental toughness of the, the 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 guys in our generation or even before us. And that's why you see the change when things don't work. Okay, well let me just go somewhere else. And and that's to me it's the easy route. You know, I, I think if I'm here, let me let me make it work. You know, because a lot of things that. Um, that happens to players, they have more control of it than they really know. If you come to work every day, come to practice every day and bring your hard hat and you're doing what the coaches need you to do and also you you, you know you're gonna uh, give the team a chance a better chance to be successful, I can't see a coach not playing you for any other reason. So, you know, the run and jump ship, I think that's just the the mental uh, capacity of the kids these days, even on a high school level here, you know, we, we battle all the time about kids maybe leaving one school and going to a private school because of the lack of playing time or uh, uh, a parent disagreeing with a coach or something like that. And, you know, I, I just think the kids are they more so to jump ship these days because they don't want to go through the grind and the actual, actually what it takes to be great or even good to a certain degree. They, they want the easy route because, you know, we're living in a, a, a technology-infused um, society where kids today, everything is at their fingertips, and, you know, where we would have to go and look, look where it's up, where they can just go to Google search. You know, it's just, it's just more at, at, at their fingertips, and that's, that's kind of what they're accustomed to. So they don't want to have to go through the grind to succeed. They want to just get to success. Former coach, uh, former basketball player, rather, at Southern Miss, Natchez High School coach David Haywood here with us on the Eagle Hour this December 23rd edition. Coach, on the high school level, what is it about certain programs around the state that enables them to just be good every single year? Now, I live in the Hattiesburg area, so I'll, I'll pick out one program in particular. It just seems that no matter what other, how the other sports teams are doing at Gulfport High School, I mean, going back to the great Burt Jenkins, I mean, the Gulfport Admirals have always been tough in basketball. And it's, you know, Meridian is another school that every year, you know, Meridian has one of the top-ranked basketball teams 
in the state. Are there are there threads along those lines that all these schools have in common that have great basketball teams year in and year out? Yeah, because if, if if you if you those those kids that's uh, in between schools, you know, uh, of course I want to go to the school with the the, the greater and the, the more lavish history because naturally, even you you just said it, if a college coaches going to come and choose to watch a, a team on the coast in that area. Of course, you want to stop by Gulfport because they are always known to have great athletes. So I would rather go and play at Gulfport than maybe maybe a neighboring school where I may still be attending that neighbor, neighboring school, but I'm going to go over to Gulfport. So, you know, they tend to get the, the, the better kids in that area and they have more kids to semi-poor from. You know, it's not, and I don't want to use the word recruiting because you don't supposed to recruit on a high school level, but, you know, technically, you, you got those certain areas that they're good every year, every year, yeah, it's because kids are gravitating to that one specific school because of the, the rich history in that sport. And, that the, fi- and the, the, the final question I have for you, Coach, before sending you back to Luke Johnson is, are we doing what, what we're – are we doing a good enough job getting these kids ready to play high school basketball with feeder leagues? Like, the, you know, you have the youth football leagues and the youth soccer leagues and the youth baseball leagues, and the high schools eventually wind up being the recipients of that, you know, uh, groomed talent. But are we doing enough to help kids get ready for basketball? It doesn't seem to me that there are enough youth basketball programs around the state. Well, I'm definitely going you know, to speak for my hometown, my area, and the answer is no. No, no. It's more of just rolling the ball out to let the kids play. It's not enough training across the board. You have guys that's coaching like myself that may have kids, and, you know, they're putting a lot of time into their kids and stuff like that, but they're not, you know, the, the youth leagues are not nearly giving the game what it really needs to, to put out a, a, a successful product that a, a more, polished product on, on a junior high level that would translate over to high school one day. So I, I don't think we're doing enough. And, you know, I know definitely not a national. You know, this is something I spoke on just last week to uh, our Board of Education that we got to do something to, you know, help the consistency of uh, being able to compete year in and year out. And it starts with our youth, the youth league, the, the elementary kids. They got to learn to compete and, you know, uh, do away with, hey, everybody get a medal just to participate. So we got to understand the winning and the losing and what it takes to be good, even right. at a younger age. Yes. Right. David, we appreciate your time, man. We're out of time, but man, you've uh, you've been with us these two segments. Thanks so much for your time today. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to your family and everybody in Natchez. And it's the same to you guys, and if you all get a chance, I, I would definitely like to get a copy of this segment just to you know, for my high yeah, we'll get with you about it. Okay, I appreciate it. Y'all back, back after this on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. It's Thursday, December 23rd. It has started to rain here in the Hattiesburg area. At least it's not snow. And I know, of course, there's a lot of Christmas purists that would love to see some snow for Christmas. But nonetheless, this segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. 4th Street Bar and Grill will be open on Christmas Day. 
And you'd think, well, now who in the world would go out on? Let me tell you, it's one of the busiest days of the year at Fourth Street, and everybody is there. And they'll go, hey, when was the last time I saw you? Well, actually, it was last last Christmas Day. Uh, so it'll it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the place to shoot a game of pool, talk Southern Miss sports, and and you're never very far away from the campus. The official pregame spot for Southern Miss fans before games. Fourth Street Bar and Grill, sponsors of the Eagle Hour. So with the fat man in the red suit making his visit here in a couple of days. You know, you always take time to make sure that everybody else gets squared away. So you've got your gifts that you will be presenting wrapped in under the tree. And you're just now being able to settle in and think about what you would like for Christmas. So Luke Johnson and I have thought about our Southern Miss wish list and some of the things that we would like to see Santa Claus bring to the Southern Miss Big Gold, Golden Eagle Nation, whatever you want to call it. And the first thing, and of course this is taking for granted that both of us are on the nice list this year. Don't put that up for a vote. You'll just have to take our word for it. Luke, my first wish is for record football season ticket sales next year. What do you think? I really like it. Um, it's, you know, the, the combination, there, there's been a, a combination. Historic, or I'm sorry, geographically around the country, even in, in the heart of college football where we are, everybody's having this problem. Everybody is. But when you take Southern Miss, who has opponents that come in that, you know, their fan base really isn't excited about watching, and you take that into, you know, uh, just some of the, the, quote, mediocrity that we've been riding through the last uh, few years, yeah, it's, it's going to take uh, more than just – football games and it's going to be i think will hall seems to have he it's not a fedora energy it's not a a munkin energy it is a down home i'm going to tell you the way it is and and be honest with you about stuff i think that has a greater chance to win people over to come back to the rock than anything else and i don't and i think that people need to understand that season ticket sales in football is the bank for most of the rest of the sports under the Southern Miss moniker. It's important to buy football season tickets, whether you use them or not. And you hope that you will. But I'm sure you've got clients, if you own a business, you know, that could use them. Uh, and people that would love to go to the games that maybe can't afford a season ticket. So it is really important that the that the season ticket sales numbers go up. And with the newfound enthusiasm with Will Hall, let's hope it does. What tops your list, Luke? Um. I'm going to be the Grinch out the gate. Uh, every coaching search starts or, or involves people who chime in their opinion. We, we want people's opinion. But there there is a real need amongst the Southern Miss fan base, and I'm speaking generally here, just to understand and have more of a perspective on college football as a whole. It's not wise for Southern Miss to go out and hire a junior college coach who's been successful to lead a Division One program. Um, Steve Campbell's a great coach. We just saw what happened at South Alabama. Um, you know, bringing Fedora back around for, for round two. You've got to know where you are in the college football landscape. 
And I just feel like this uh, this past coaching search, a lot of fans, and I mean this in a nice way, they just kind of expose their ignorance. Um, there is a place on Facebook that shall not be named where it is Exhibit A all the time for thousands and thousands of Southern Miss fans. And it just seems like you fans that offer their most opinions really don't like watch college football or understand college football. I'm not saying to maybe the level that Kelly, Bob, and I are, are people above us, you know, that, that cover it every day. I'm not asking that. But I, I want some perspective, and, and that I know that's kind of grinchy to start with, but I think it's very important. No, but it's also a wish list. You know, it's our, it's our Santa Claus wish list, so nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. The next thing on my list is this time of year, Christmas time, we see nativity scenes, you know, around Mississippi. And I'm going to, not nativity necessarily, but how about no negativity? You know, it seems like Southern Miss uh, athletics has kind of been the punchline of every joke off and on for the past four or five years. But if the culture is to change, as much as you might be tempted a time or two to take a pot shot at the Southern Miss athletic department or any particular team, no negative talk if you can't say something nice let's go back to when we were in kindergarten if you can't say something nice don't say it so nothing but positive words about southern miss that's number two on my wish list I think uh, it's very important. I, this to spin off your your first two, it's going to come with a united fan base around, particularly around Will Hall. Football drives the ship, man. I mean, we have been crazy good in baseball, and we continue to be crazy good in baseball. And yet, Southern Miss fans feel like the bottom's falling out because football's not. The, the way that you bring Kelly's first two wish lists about is you unite around the new coaching hire. Next on my list in basketball, um, this is a quick. I guess this this may be. A, a stocking stuffer that you can use for a, a long time. I want developed chemistry uh, on the offensive side of the ball for Southern Miss basketball, and I want Ladavius Drain to continue to find the three-point shot. Went 5 of 11 uh, behind the three-point arc uh, against Monroe last Saturday. I, I want that, and that's something that I want. I, it's like the girl from Willy Wonka. I want it now. Like I, I want that. that. That's what I want for Christmas is to see this team playing – just as good on the offensive end of the court as they have been on the defensive. And I think you're going to find out very quickly whether Santa Claus brought that for you or not because the Eagles open up Conference USA play on New Year's Day against, uh, against the UTEP Miners who come to town. And then, of course, they'll turn around the very next day and play the Miners again. So, again, you'll, you'll get to find you know, that out. Uh, pretty early. The last thing on my list coming in at number three, but still important in my mind, is consistency in coaching. Poor Jeremy McLean has not had a chance to catch his breath since he took the athletic director's job with some of the hires that he has had to make in a short period of time. Hopefully the hires that he made will be long-term successful ones because when you put a pen and paper to a lot of the successful athletic programs at other sports, it's they've, their coach has been there a while. You know, there's been some, some consistency. And I'm hoping that with the people that he has in place now in both men's and women's sports, that we won't be talking about any coaching hires for any of the sports anytime soon. And if you are, um, hopefully it's because they did so well. You know, hopefully we're still three years out from any football conversation. I don't feel like Jay Ladner's going anywhere anytime soon and certainly don't feel like Scott Barry is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, 
switching to baseball, my last Christmas gift going forward, I want an injury-free baseball season. It's a lot to ask Santa Claus. It's one of those where, you know, uh, you ask uh, the Santa Claus, you ask a genie, can you understand a woman, a woman's mind? And then he says, uh, you know, what, what really do you want? Because that's an impossibility. I get that. So I, I want an injury-free baseball season. I want... The five to six starting pitchers that we have in Powell and Shepard and Etheridge and Best and Boyd and even Hunter Stanley, I want us just to be, I want Ostrander to look down there and all 21 dudes are available. And I want us not only to crush people with some of the power and average we have uh, in, in the lineup, I want us to mow down people from the mound. And as long as you're talking health, let's take it one step further and say that we get rid of the C word that uh, we won't be talking about COVID uh, heading into the baseball season and that the vaccines uh, can, can get out and be distributed quick enough and to all the people that, that need them uh, so that and – and I know there's going to be people saying, really, you want to put sports – no, I don't want to put sports ahead of that. I want everybody to be vaccinated that needs it, you know, our older communities and healthcare workers and all those sorts of things. But I'm just saying if we can get them out there enough, if we can get enough of them out there, that um, that we don't have to be talking about, you know, which team is having COVID issues. And I honestly think, look, not to not to digress, but I think a lot of these football teams used COVID as an excuse when uh, when they didn't necessarily want to play. You know, we talked about South Carolina yeah. pulling Win. out of that bowl game. I, I think that that like you and I, a lot of us just thought, man, it's a joke that South Carolina even accepted a bid. And I think maybe some of the the powers that be in the alumni association probably said the same thing, and they said, well, we're just not going to play. We'll use COVID as an excuse. I'm going to um, ask Lauren to order me a new South Carolina dodgeball team hat because I hear they're putting that program in. One, one more for, for me. Uh, more, more base, just, uh, quote, low-level Eagle Club members. That's what it takes, and that's where Southern Miss has been so great at. Yeah, we, we've got a few guys that can knock it out of the park, but it's just people like me. Um, that you know, give uh, just consistently, steadily, on uh, to the Eagle Hour every month. That's what we need, Kelly. We forgot about Bob, and I think if Bob could have one Christmas list, it would be for the Dixie Darlings to stay. What do you think? Oh yes, I mean I know he's been fervent about that. Uh, the, the, the danger, the dangerous Dixie Darlings get to keep, keep not only get to stay but to keep their name. Come on, guys, let's be realistic about this. What's wrong with the Dixie Darlings name? For sure. All right, we'll step away, close out our last Eagle Hour segment before Christmas. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. In Hattiesburg, of course, your stimulus money, your next check is coming in the mail, and it'd be a great, uh, great down payment on a new vehicle to bring in the new year. Of course, you compound that with the tax season, and if you're used to getting tax refunds, you can combine your stimulus money with your tax refund, and there you go. And once you get a Toyota, you're probably set for about the next 15 or 20 years because they don't ever seem to break down. And uh, that voice you hear in the background is of 
soon-to-be three-year-old Piper Mergens, the cute-as-a-bug daughter of producer Michael Mergens, who I'm calling the human octopus because he has been using one arm to push buttons, the other one to try to secure his child. And sh- she runs a good route, Luke. Um, Michael has not been able to cover her at all. This, this yeah, I heard Archie's got double move, triple move in the, in the secondary. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's worn out. Uh, but there's a little bit about a lot of things going on in the football world, including some names that will be familiar to Southern Miss fans. Yeah, two um, two let go. Deke Adams, of course, played uh, defensive line for Southern Miss and has been up at Ole Miss for a few years. He's being let go on the Ole Miss defensive side. Man, Kelly, you wish this almost would have happened a few weeks back and before our staff was finalized. Deke would have been great to have on, on our staff. Larry Fedora and Baylor parting ways. Uh, after one year, Dave Aranda, head coach out there, uh, and Fedora agreeing to go separate ways. So Fedora, one year as the, the uh, offensive coordinator at Baylor, and then he is let go. Terry Bowden, uh, at age 64, is the new head coach at Louisiana Monroe. Interesting note about Bowden. For the last two years, he pursued a graduate degree at Clemson. And so he was actually an unpaid intern. He was Terry Bowden at age 63 and 64 was a graduate assistant for Dabo Sweeney. That's that's pretty good. And then of course uh, Auburn coming out of Auburn yesterday, non-Southern Miss related, but some of our listeners um, interesting to hear Brian Harzen, the head coach of Boise State, now going to be leading the team on the plains. Uh, pretty interesting. Big big news for a local Southern Miss uh, former Southern Miss player in the NFL, Kelly. Picasso Nelson, our good buddy who prepped at Oak Grove High School and then uh, lettered four years at Southern Miss, has been signed to the practice squad of the Phoenix Cardinals. He uh, signed a free agent contract after the draft with Indianapolis and then uh, wound up going down to, no, with Jacksonville first and then on to uh, Indianapolis. And now he is a member of the Arizona Cardinals. And Piper's right here next to me. Michael, can we turn her mic on and see if, see, see if we can get her to, to give us a quick few words here? I you get daddy. What's Piper? Are you with us? She's telling us what she wants for Christmas. Yeah. You were just up there talking to the microphone just a second ago, Piper. Are you still with us? Uh, no. You're not. You checking out? Um, I. Piper, what do you want for Christmas? She's looking like, where's that voice coming from? <laughs> I've heard about it in the Bible, but I've never. I did. What? Okay, I think she's just going to hang out here. She she wants more Eagle Club members also. You can hear her in her voice. Get behind Will Hall. So, Kelly, what are you going to be doing the next two days? Uh, Just social distancing. We're doing all of our Christmas Eve. Eve stuff outside over a um, around a fire pit with some of the people in the neighborhood, but staying outside. Well, we can, you know, if it do, if we don't get rained on, and then um, just very very simple gift giving. I don't think anything we're given is worth more than ten bucks because by the grace of God, I have everything I need. I survived COVID, and um, I just I don't need anything, you know. I don't, so that's what we're going to be doing. You. We were we were wrapping gifts last night uh, for some family, and uh, I was Lauren has them kind of all in a place, and I reached down and grabbed something. She said, "Give me that." And apparently, there are uh, a couple gifts that I don't know about. Um, sometimes in our family, you know, you you pick out what you want and then you wrap it up. So I do have a surprise element going on for sure. We're gonna look at some lights tonight. Lauren's got to work tomorrow, and then we'll do some stuff tomorrow night. Thankfully, ah. she's off from the hospital on Christmas Day. It is. 
Christmas Eve Eve. This is the last uh, show the Eagle Hour will do before we uh, get to before we come back from Christmas. So no show tomorrow, and no show Friday on a programming note. Super Talk will be playing some Christmas music. We do want to uh, again tell you it is uh, literally that we call this season Advent because it is coming. And that's what it means, coming. First John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 tells us, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then in chapter 5, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And from me and my family, uh, we want to wish all of you a a Merry Christmas, the greatest miracle of all, God becoming man to save us. That is the hope of Christmas. That is why we can have hope and joy even in the hardest of years like 2020. Kelly Sander and Michael Mergens from Lauren and I, we wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Right back at you, Luke. And if I could, if I could talk to the big man upstairs, I would ask him one question: Why? Why would you do this? We're not, we're not worth it. Um, but that, I guess, is the point: uh, that we're not worth it. And once we realize that and give in to that love, then the rest of it is is gravy. Hey, right? Amen. Hey, I, for, I forgot to do this real quick. Louisiana Tech at Georgia Southern. I got Georgia Southern. Me too. Me too. I mean, I want conference. Memphis you, at- I said, go ahead. Memphis at FAU. Uh, I'm going to take FAU. I'll take Memphis. Black and blue bowl. (laughs) I figured you would. Good stuff. Hey, Merry Christmas to all of you. We will catch you Monday on the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty sends his Christmas greetings as well. Catch you Monday. Have a Merry Christmas. And as always, Southern Miss. To To the the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.